climate change, poverty, mental health, young people and adults face a world of constant change. It's the connections we make, innovations and education that come together to help us make a difference. Welcome to the power of young people to change the world. In this program, we bring together leaders that share stories designed to inspire you to serve, learn, and change the world. Now, here's your host, Amy Muirs. Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Power of Young People to Change the World. I'm your host, Amy Muirs, and I'm here every Thursday on Voice America Empowerment Radio, where together we explore how young people are using their ideas, creativity, and passion to shape a better world, and how educators can utilize the power of service learning to redesign education. Today, we're going to be discussing one of the root causes of educational inequities in our schools, racist curricula. So I'm defining that as curriculum that's written from a single frame of reference, um, often from a dominant group or viewpoint. Um, It can be curriculum that presents diverse individuals from a less than position of power or where there's a total absence or misrepresentation of a group of people. And again, this by no means is an official definition, but it's a place uh, for us to begin our conversation with today's guests. So joining me to share their experiences and expertise in this area are two leaders representing the youth-led grassroots organization Diversify Our Narrative. Banaka Norris is a member of the executive team, and joining her is Nahida Dale, who is a member of the National Communication Council. I just want to thank you both for joining me today. Um, I'm so excited to dive into this important issue and welcome to the show. Um, Banaka Dehita, before we talk about the work of Diversify Our Narrative, I would love for you to share more about yourselves with our listeners. So Banaka, I want to start with you. Can you introduce yourself? Um, Who are you? What are you about? Um, Share with us who you are. Yeah, so hi everyone. My name is Banaka Norris. I use she, her pronouns, um, and I currently go to Syracuse University. I'm studying advertising with a minor in uh, atrocity studies and social justice. Um, So this is a really fun question because I don't really have a ton of free time, Um, but in in my dream world of free time, I would love to just sort of sit and watch TV all day. I never have the chance to like to sit down and watch Netflix for a long range of time, I'm always just doing something. Um, but I love community. I love Parks and Rec. All those like easy to watch, sit down uh, comedy sitcoms are, are really great um, to just sort of take my mind off of things. Uh, but in terms of other things, like other activities, I write for a bunch of magazines and newspapers on campus. Um, some other things that I do, I'm a part of a lot of uh, ethnic affinity groups as well. So just making sure that I have space with people that are similar to me really helps when the education system doesn't really put yourself into narratives. Uh, just having spaces where you can be yourself with other people like you is really fun. Um, so yeah, it's a little bit about myself and I'm really, I'm really happy to be here. Wonderful. Well, we're happy to have you here. I'm curious, Banak, can you say, um, you said atrocity studies. Can you share what that is for folks who might not know what that means? Yes. So this minor sort of focuses on uh, large scale atrocities like the Holocaust or genocide. Um, 
around the world and how we can use social justice to not only prevent those things from happening in the future, uh, but also sort of ways of talking about it in, in a manner that is respectful, but truthful. Um, it's a really interesting sort of look at the world. Um, it can be a little bit depressing sometimes because it is called atrocities. Um, but overall, it's really just uh, learning from the past so we don't make those mistakes uh, in the future. What an amazing field of study. And I have to imagine um, that might play into why Netflix is <laughs> comedies on Netflix. Yes. Is, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Nihita, how about you? Can you share a little bit about yourself with us? Yeah, hi, I'm Nahida Dahla, she, her pronouns. Um, I am a current senior at Ridley High School, which is just outside of Philadelphia. Um, yeah, I'm not in college yet, but once I get there, I hope to study like political science and philosophy and maybe go to law school. We're gonna see about that though. Kind of daunting, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> In my free time, I kind of, well, I also don't have a lot of free time because I run a lot of clubs at school, but like I technically count what I do in those clubs as free time. So like I run my school's literary arts magazine. I love to write. Um, I'm also like captain of the mock trial team mm -hmm. and I run my school's like we have like within my county, we have like a little like academic decathlon type of like competition. And I like I help run my school's team for that as well. Um, but if I didn't have to do any, like if I could do one thing, I would just like read all day. Like I love mm -hmm. to read so much. It's my favorite thing, but yeah. I, I'm right there with you. Do you have a like a book that you're reading right now that you'd say everybody should go out and read this? Well, I'm currently reading The Wicked King by Holly Black, which is like the second book to like the Cruel Prince series. And I'm like, kind of obsessed it's like about like fairies except they're not like fun but they're like mean and like evil and I'm like whoa you know <laughs> that's awesome uh it sounds like I have two writers um on my hands here today that's awesome um I want to talk about the work that you guys are doing because it's amazing um Benaka, can you tell our listeners about Diversify Our Narrative, like how it started, about your mission, the work that you guys do? Yeah, so uh, this is such a fun little origin story. I think it's so fun every time I tell it. Um, but Diversify Our Narrative basically started in June of 2020, and we took a lot of inspiration from the resurgence of the Black Lives Matter movement. As you know, the summer of 2020 was very tumultuous, mm -hmm. uh, and our founders, uh, Caitlin and Jasmine essentially examined the role of education within anti-racism and the power that schools specifically have to fight against injustice. Um, so whether that be through amplifying marginalized voices and stories uh, or having diverse representation both in the curriculum and in schools themselves, or just implementing policy changes that make sure students have an inclusive perspective of the world uh, is really important. We did not get to see that for a lot of us growing up. Uh, but now, as we look at other activis activists uh, before us, we realize the importance of education in terms of fighting for justice. So uh, at our core, our mission is really to fight to be anti-racist and encourage a productive dialogue on race and identity within schools uh, worldwide, which is really awesome. We've expanded uh, internationally, which is super cool. Um, uh, 
<laughs> through a bunch of diverse mediums, uh, which hopefully ultimately works towards racial justice, educational equity, uh, and community power. So we do this through a variety of different ways. Uh, if there's any educators listening, we have free teaching resources uh, that help you diversify in uh, your classroom, which is super awesome. Our National Curriculum Council works day and night on all of those resources. So I would definitely go ahead and check them out. We also have free educational panels for students. So if you're a high school or middle school student uh, and you're looking to see what college will be like, how to get into college, navigating the college process, we have stuff for you. And even if you're in college, we have a bunch of different uh, panels that talk about you know, college life, especially for those who might be marginalized, uh, as well as advocating for policy change. So this is a really big part of our work, which we just, along with a bunch of other organizations, helped pass uh, AB 101 in California, which is a bill to help uh, make sure that high school students before they graduate have to take an ethnic studies course. So that was a really huge and very big oh. recent win, which is so cool. That's amazing. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you. Our organizers have really put a lot of work into making sure that passes. It's our second time going around and uh, advocating for this bill. So it was a really great day to hear that it passed. Um, so yeah, uh, going off of that, our chapters are really the forefront of our on the ground work. Um, so none of the stuff we could do, we could do without their support. Uh, but that's basically what we do, how we got started and all that good stuff. That's amazing. Just a quick follow-up question. Um, so there's a lot of different councils. So we're going to hear from Nahida. She's going to tell us about the National Communications Council. But um, are all of the councils made up of young people? Yes, everyone uh, to be part of Diverse Fire Narrative has to be in some way a student, whether that's in high school uh, or college or some type of educational system, uh, just because students should be advocating for a change that will directly impact them. Awesome. Thank you. So, Nahida, tell us about the National Communications Council. How did you come to be on it? Um, tell us about uh, why this is so important to you. Yeah, so I actually started as like a ground organizer. I was like, um, I started out like as the lead for my own school district chapter of Diversifier Narrative. And so I kind of like, I was approached by like one of our amazing department heads, Catherine, who I like was texting about like a little, like a rally my chapter had held in front of our school to like, kind of start advocating for ourselves to our school board as like we had had we have like a very tumultuous relationship with our school board so I was like texting her about it and how like successful it was and I just wanted to like update her and she like approached me and was like hey are you interested in like joining the communications council you've done a lot of great work on your um on your own chapter I was wondering if you'd be able to help guide other chapters which is basically what we do on the National Communications Council. We're kind of there to help our organizers and to help our chapters get started, get moving. We're like basically a resource for them to, um, we're like a resource for their organizing to like help them keep moving. Like if they need ideas, if they don't know what to do at a certain point. Um, yeah, we're just like there for their <laughs> advocacy process. Um, yeah, but like diversify our narrative, like Dawn means a whole lot to me because I'd like spent like 
the past like couple years trying to figure out how to like start advocating for myself as like a woman of color start like making myself feel seen and you know like Don gave me that opportunity which I'm like really grateful for um, as like a student of color growing up in like what what can be like a very racist and like uncomfortable environment. Well, it takes a lot of courage to to uh, say I'm not seen. So um, amazing work that you guys are doing. Um, we're going to take a brief pause and then we're going to dig um, dig more into this amazing organization and, and the work that these young people are doing. So stay with us on the power of young people to change the world. Voice America Empowerment Radio. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I'm here with Nahida Dalit and Benanka Norris from Diversify Our Narrative. So they're a youth-led movement to address racial justice in our education systems. And again, I just want to thank you both for being here today. Um, Benaka, I want to jump right back into our conversation and talk about how you're engaging young people in this work. How has it evolved? I mean, you guys started in um, June of 2020. So how is how have you seen this evolve um, since the beginning? Yeah, I think what's so inspiring to me is that, uh, and I think Nahida sort of alluded to this, is that a lot of young people already want to be a part of something similar to Dawn. Um, There's a lot of people that already feel the effects of uh, racist curriculum or problems within the school system. So there's not really a question of how do we get people involved? It's more like how do we sort of uh, navigate their passion into something that we can build for a, a stable amount of time? I think uh, in terms of changing, we started with literally (laughs) like nothing. (laughs) I think there was like six team members. um, And now we're at this uh, very large uh, international scale. And what um, is both a great thing and a uh, not so great thing since we started is that um, our sort of view on ourselves and the worth of our organization, um, a lot of young people uh, don't really take time to think about the fact that change, especially long-term progressive change, takes a long time. Yeah. Um, so you start to sort of devalue your work. You start to devalue what you're doing because it's not happening as fast as you would like it to. Um, so now we're sort of in this time where we have to remind ourselves that setbacks and plateauing is very normal and it's okay. You're not going to win every meeting that you're in and you're not going to win every policy change that you advocate for. Um, And although it feels like a really big hit, those things are normal. Um, And I think that comes with youth. I think a lot of times we're very excited to get started or we know you have a lot of passion and urgency, uh, but that can also be channeled into devaluing yourself uh, when your your projected outcome doesn't turn out the way that you would like it to. Um, But I think now, especially as we focus on mental health, uh, we have a really big push internally to make sure that everyone on the national team and organizer level feels comfortable and feels uh, that they can stop at any time just in case they feel overwhelmed because it does get overwhelming. Um, But that's the biggest change I've seen is just uh, making sure that you value what you do and value the organization because, you know, nothing is going to happen that fast, but little wins lead to big wins. Absolutely. And I will say um, that burnout and, um, you know, just that excitement and then the long-term change um, 
we, as being in the nonprofit sector, that is like a constant. So, so um, I, I completely understand what you're talking about because it's when you're trying to make real deep rooted change, uh, it, it can be exhausting. Um, and especially when you don't see those, those wins. So it's the little things that um, I think keep us going. So completely understand. Um, Nikita, I would love um, to hear more about what you've worked on since you started with Diversify Our Narrative. Kind of what are the, some of the, the, the opportunities that you've had to share your work? Yeah, so, um, well, I have like, like I mentioned before, I have like two roles within Dawn as like a ground organizer and as um, a member of the National Communications Council. And so like with my work as like a ground organizer, I do like, I push for, um, I push for, I'm pushing for my school to like adopt curriculum changes to like change what, um, to change our like current mascot, which is like, a, which has like a lot of racist imagery and history. And I do want to take a minute to like echo what Binaka was saying about like change is a slow process. It's like a very slow process. I know my team, we thought we'd be done by now. We thought we'd be able to like get enough petition signatures and like be done within a month and like a conversation with our school board and like get them to realize like this is wrong. And like, yeah, just like, don't lose hope, just like keep pushing through, it's worth it. Um, but like what I do with the Communications Council, um, so we, like I've said before, we are basically like a resource for our organizers to like use when they need help. Um, and what we do is like some things we've done um, are we've held like events for our organizers to like meet each other. So like someone from California could meet someone from like um, Florida and like talk about their different experiences organizing. And like, we've had like these organizer events where like we hold workshops um, and give them like different tools to help with their organizing. Like we do a lot of like leadership development um, and stuff like that. We also had events in which like we've invited like more experienced and like seasoned organizers um, from like different regions where we're organizing to kind of, so that our organizers can get a chance to like network and to like see people who are, who've been organizing for a while and like gain some of their, or like learn from their experience as well. Um, other things we do include just like creating toolkits and like helping our chapters like navigate figure or like figure out the needs of their own community and what they need to like be pushing for. That's amazing. It really sounds like you guys support all the way around. You provide that wraparound support um, so that there can be success. So um, amazing. I'm wondering if Nahida, you can tell our listeners about the petition, kind of what that campaign is about and how young people can get involved. Yeah, for sure. So the original Diversifier Narrative petition started out with like a list of books by different um, 
Black, Indigenous, people of color, authors, um, we have like kind of not like expanded past that, but like given our organizers the opportunity to expand past that um, because each, each organizer is organizing within their own community and each community has its own different needs, has its own like different, like every environment is different. So you might not need to get um, diverse books included into your curriculum, but you might need to change a mascot per se or you might, um, you might wanna go after the history curriculum. Um, so yeah, that's like kind of the main point of the petition. Um, yeah, and like for people who wanna get involved, I mean, the petition is available on our website, like the official, like the original, um, the original petition with all the books I, and literature I believe is on our website. Um, I encourage people to like go look on social media to see if their own like school district or like community has its own diversifier narrative chapter or to like contact um, any of the communications uh, council members. Our emails are on the, our website diversifiernarrative.com to see if your community has a diversifier narrative chapter so you can see how you can get involved specifically with them. That's awesome. Um, you know, I'm, as you were talking, I was thinking about, um, young people who, um, who might not think about like the mascot, right. Or, um, or even the curriculum. And so Banaka, I'm wondering what you've learned about the young people, um, through this work and, um, and how do you help them see how important this is? I think uh, for me, what I've learned is that a lot of our members or a lot of people that are drawn to our organization uh, are drawn to it because they know the uh, impact firsthand of injustice. Um, in terms of education, I can speak for myself that uh, I've been in school for years and all of my years of schooling, I have never had Nepali representation or at a broader sense, never even had any South Asian representation mm -hmm. at all, not through my professors or teachers not through any of the stories we read or the films that we watch. Um, and as much as this seems like a very small portion of what uh, a non-diverse uh, curriculum can look like, it does lead to a lot of uh, devaluing and dehumanization of, of who you are and your stories and the importance of your culture. Um, we see this a lot with uh, Black experiences as well, where they only speak on traumatic events, but Black joy is never involved. Black love is never involved. Um, so when we look at our organizers and we see how, how much this weighs on you, um, there's almost this urgent sense to fix something because we can't keep going like this and we don't want our future people to go ahead and look at this and feel the same way. Um, I think for a lot of marginalized students, not seeing yourself included or only seeing your community's trauma included is, is like I said, it's very dehumanizing, devaluing. Um, and I hope what other students learn either through our work or through being a part of the organization is that their stories and their voices matter. At the very least, they need to know that they're, they're important and their existence is, is valuable. Um, There's so many students that walk through their, their doors for their school and don't feel not, they don't feel represented, they don't feel cared for, they don't feel any sort of support at all. 
Um, so whether it comes through policy change, whether it comes through book lists, or even changing who they're looking at and who's teaching them, um, it's it's not just you know a little small change. It really does impact the student experience and how they view education uh, and all of that uh, good stuff. I think inequity is is a big scary term, but when you think about it in small ways, um, it's easier to see the the lasting impact that it can have on a student. Absolutely, you know. And I was thinking about. Um about your win in California about getting the ethnic study course requirement. And I'm just wondering when you think about everything that you just said and how do you see um, like having this ethnic study course requirement um, tackling some of that? I think, you know, the first step is obviously representation, Mm -hmm. Uh, but beyond that, it's accurate representation. You know, yes, representation is important, but we also need to represent uh, a culture or community fully. We're not just representing the atrocities that they've experienced. We're not just representing a small portion of their culture. We're not representing them as a stereotype. We're representing them as fully complex individuals who who are worthy of having their stories told. Um, And I hope that with the ethnic studies bill, uh, students are able to see themselves in a new light and as well as see other peers in a different light as well. They're not just, you know, internalizing these dehumanizing uh, narrative against themselves. They're also seeing it towards other students. So ideally with this bill, we're going to see a lot more togetherness and a lot more um, inclusion, both in the classroom and outside of it. Absolutely. And hopefully, um, It'll be a light bulb for some people as well that they'll they'll just they'll start to recognize what is missing, um, especially in those in those schools that might be more primarily um, white middle class schools. Maybe they'll start to recognize that hey, there's th- this is missing in these other courses as well. So. Um, it's very exciting. So we do have to take another quick break. Um, sorry about that, but um, we're going to continue our conversation on racial justice in our education system. So stay with us on the power of young people. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. If you're just joining us, um, we are talking about the grassroots youth-led movement um, that's being led by Diversifier Narrative addressing racial justice in our education systems. And Nahida, I've been thinking about um, you as a ground organizer, and I'm wondering how you've been able to organize the other young people um, and what are those impacts um, that you've had or that you're still hoping to see? Yeah, great question. So um, as a ground organizer, so I've started out like with my chapter, I've kind of taken the lead on like moving along with some of my friends who kind of taken the lead on like moving our own school district and like bringing change within our own community. Um, So I can talk a little bit about how we've been organizing. Um, Yeah, it kind of started out with just like me, a group of my friends who um, had been passionate about like racial justice, um, like Vinaka said earlier, Dawn is kind of like an outlet for young people to like, um, for young people to express their passion in social justice. And that's kind of like how it ended up with me and 
my organizers within my own chapter and with like pretty much most of our organizers within Dawn internationally. Um, so yeah, we kind of, each chapter does something different, um, but we've kind of been like, we write letters to our school board. We try to, um, we meet with our teachers to just to have these like conversations about what our schools could be doing. What are, what are they doing? What aren't they doing? Um, and stuff like that. We are often at school board meetings, like trying to make our voices heard doesn't always work, but we keep pushing through. And um, I think the biggest impact we've had is we've like opened up the conversation within our community about diversity and about like what our schools should be teaching. And I think that's like kind of the case for a lot of our chapters across the country, across the, across the world. Um, a lot of them have been able, have been really su su successful, sorry, in opening up the, opening up these important conversations about um, Black, Indigenous, people of color issues, about LGBTQ plus issues that like might have never happened before if it weren't for if it weren't for them um and yeah i applaud our organizers for that it's really incredible work that's being done um yeah and i really hope that like this continues happening and that like our organizers can meet whatever their goals may be whether it be through like curriculum change whether it be through like mascot change or um even just like just more representation within their student body or teacher um, or teaching staff. Yeah, absolutely. And it sounds like you guys are doing so many different things. I'm wondering, Nikita, just as a quick follow-up question, how, um, how has that been received by teachers, by administration? Um, I think I hear a little the school more school board might've been a little more challenging, but I'm wondering about the conversations you've had with teachers, um, with, with administrators. Um, are they, are they listening? Yeah. Um, so I do think our, I think our teachers have been like really supportive with this. They have their own endeavors that like they're working on that, like they can accomplish without school board approval that we've collaborated with them on. Um, our administration works directly under the school board, so they haven't, they are supportive, but not in the ways that, like, we need them to be. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but I slow think. Slow to change. <laughs> sorry. I said slow to change. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Um <laughs> a lot of a lot of people wanting to stick to tradition where yeah. I am but yeah I think like it's different I think a lot of a lot of like schools operate differently with my own school district like you can only make your voice heard to the school board if you live within the school district and a lot of our teachers don't um which may or may not be deliberate um but I'm not going to get too into that yeah um 
but yeah, it really, I think, yeah, our teachers are supportive. And I think that's like the important part that like we have a lot of support and that we're going to keep fighting for what we, for what needs to be done. Awesome. I'm wondering too, Nahida, if you've seen any of, um, if the pandemic has affected the work that you're doing, um, have you seen maybe an increase in engagement or in need because of the pandemic? Yeah, so, I mean, I don't, Don hasn't really operated outside of the limitations of the pandemic yet. Um, as Vinaka said, we were founded um, in like June, July of 2020, right in the midst of the pandemic. Um, so a lot of our organizing has been done online through Zoom calls, through writing letters and emails. Um, and very little of it has been in person up until like pretty recently, actually. Um, yeah, I don't, it would, it's hard to like describe how the pandemic has affected our work as like we haven't really seen what work can, well, we haven't really seen what work we personally are capable of outside of the pandemic, but I'm personally like really excited to see what my chapter is going to do, what other organizers are going to do. Um, we've got a lot of like exciting ideas coming up. Um, well, yeah. It sounds like you guys, well, yeah, you were founded during the pandemic. So you've figured out how to successfully engage not only locally, regionally, nationally, but internationally. So yeah. <laughs> the power um, of I, social media. Exactly. So, um, Banaka, I'm going to turn back to you for a moment um, and talk about the challenges um, of working on these issues. Like, what are they and how have you really been able to tackle them? Yeah, so this is a great question. There are never a short, uh, you know, a never a shortage of issues. Um, I think one of the biggest ones is actually our age. So a lot of adults uh, do not really like to listen to students, specifically those in high school and college. Um, so I think going into a board meeting, going into a meeting with your administrator, you already don't have age on your side. Uh, so when we train our organizers to help them uh, sort of command the room, despite being probably the youngest person in there, uh, that is one of the biggest challenges is making sure that they're listening to you and not just listening to a child. Um, because that's what a lot of the backlash, even at, at the national uh, executive board level, we, we meet with a bunch of different people. And they're always like, wow, you're so young and not in like a nice way <laughs> and more of a, oh, you're so young <laughs> type of way. <laughs> Um, which is definitely a setback, but I think another additional challenge um, is actually maintaining um, or re uh, retaining support. Not that people don't support us anymore, but I think students are very busy and we're asking students to do very difficult, very uh, challenging work on top of already being a student. Um, so we want to acknowledge the fact that these students do not have to engage in work like this but they, they do because it's that meaningful. Mm -hmm. um, but making sure that we're not, uh, you know, taking away from anything that they also want to do or, um, you know, making sure that they don't feel so much pressure to make all this uh, uh, systemic change immediately is also a big 
a big um, part of our job, especially as like a department head. I also have to check in and make sure everyone's doing okay because there's times during this work that's very um, emotionally taxing, especially when a community is under attack. I know in March, uh, the Stop Asian Hate movement was really high and it was a very tough time for me. Um, and it was tough to get out content when, when your community is, is quite literally dying. Um, yeah. So we want to make sure that not only the challenges they're facing in their personal life, dealing with race, dealing with gender inequality, dealing with even climate uh, justice, that they feel supported even if their community around them is under attack um, is huge. And one of the biggest issues that we're still working with because there's never a shortage again of travesties as well. Um, a lot of our work or content that's specifically on our social media is birthed out of this sort of sadness or out of frustration or anger because there's no real way uh, to get or to have an outlet like that other than sharing your thoughts, sharing your heartbreak, sharing your frustrations. Um, so those are two really big issues that we're seeing now is not only retaining support and making sure that our own people are supported, but also making sure that they feel they have the agency uh, to even speak up for change like this. I think it's it's very scary when you're like 15 and you're advocating for policy change. Uh -huh. um, so making sure they really, it all ties back to feeling supported, feeling empowered uh, and feeling like you have the autonomy to really make change that will eventually directly impact you in the future. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Amazing answer. And I have just a million other questions, but I, one question that does come to mind, especially as you talk about um, the support, especially at that adult level, um, that youth adult partnership, um, what can educators do? What should they be doing? I think first uh, is listen to your students and don't just listen because you think you should listen to change. Um, there's a bunch of different programs educators can uh, engage in that uh, give them the tools to deal with a diverse uh, population of students, um, making sure that you are acting as a resource because a lot of students don't have those resources in their homes, in their communities. Educators, your, your job for us is just to listen and change when you feel you've made a mistake. A lot of educators that we deal with feel like they are not part of the problem, but there are other educators who are. Um, and obviously doing this type of work is uncomfortable. You know, you have to examine your own biases and uh, your own prejudice, but listening to students is a huge component of making change and making sure you're there for students, especially those uh, who don't maybe have equal opportunities as other students do um, is huge. So there's a ton of different resources educators can use. They can use ours, um, but just being there and being uh, a listening source is so important. I love that. Listen, because you want to change, not because you should <laughs> just be like, I love you said it much more eloquently than that. But, um, I love that sentiment though, that don't just listen because you, you, sh you think you should, but listen because you want to change. I think that was a better, closer to how you said it <laughs> very eloquently. You did a great job. <laughs> 
Uh, we do have to take one last short break, but when we come back, we'll get some final reflections from our guests today. So stay with me, Amy Muir's on the power of young people to change the world. Remember, you can follow the show on social media at nylc.org or find nylc.org. Now back to the show. Welcome back, everyone. Um, We just have a few minutes left together. This hour has just flown by so fast. I can't even believe how many more questions I have for these two young young leaders. But Nahida, I would love just to hear your final reflections, um, things you would like to share and make sure that our audience knows um, or some advice that you would like to give. Yeah, thank you. First of all, thank you so much for having us. Um, It's been really great. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I really hope what people take away from this is to like, start listening to like, what youth have to say about like, certain issues, um, like Binako was saying earlier, um, a lot of like the adversity we face is because of how young we are. And I think like, I think what really needs to start being taken into consideration, especially like when we look at our education system is that why aren't we listening to the people who are most directly impacted by any changes that are being made within education? Why aren't we asking them for their input? And like those people like are the students and you know, student voice is so important. And I think like, once you start to listen to what we have to say, it can be like really rewarding to hear and like really great to see what types of things, like what types of things students have to say. Um, My like favorite part of my work is watching like our student organizers like grow and like fight for what they want and um, kind of like develop themselves as people and as leaders. And um, it's just so amazing to see because like, there's like, I feel like there's like a stigma that like, you know, like young people don't care about anything besides like social media, how many likes they're getting on certain posts. And like, that's just really, it's not true um, as evidenced by like many of the, not just like within diversifier narrative, but like there are so many like great things that are and like great movements that are being pushed by young people. And, um, you know, like the youth voice is really powerful and really influential. And I think, you know, that's something that needs to be recognized more globally. I couldn't agree more. And I think, um, that's that's part of the reason why we do this show is um, to help lift up those voices um, to a, a national and international audience of um, some adults <laughs> um, and educators. So um, and I love um, what you said about why aren't we asking young people who are who are being directly impacted in education to be at the table and um, yes, we absolutely need to be doing this. Um, Banaka, I would love to hear what you hope for, for the future of diversify our narrative. How are you going to continue to lift up the power of young people? Yeah, hopefully, um, in terms of projecting years into the future, diversify our narrative will still be able to, uh, uh, continue to empower, uh, youth leaders, 
um, and make sure that we're advocating for the same uh, policies that will help our youth for years to come. Um, for me personally, I think what's so important uh, for young people to learn is that they are worth advocating for. A lot of youth do not feel that they need to share their voice because they don't feel their voice is valued. So not only is it my job as part of Diverse Fire Narrative, but it's Diverse Fire Narrative's job as a whole to remind students that they are worth the fight and that even if it's taxing, they are worth it. Your voice is worth it. Your story is worth it. And your skills, your knowledge, your intelligence, your humor, everything, everything about you was worth fighting for within schools and with uh, in broader context as well. Um, young people have such an amazing way of downplaying their, their importance and their worth. Um, so at the end of the day, Diverse Fire Narrative's job is to remind them that they are valuable, um, that their stories matter. Um, and that's really what we see with our organizers. Uh, Nikita said it, I think, uh, a couple questions ago, but they, they need to fight for themselves. They have agency for themselves because they believe in themselves. Um, they believe in their stories. They believe in their mission. And that's our job on the national team level is to empower those students um, because they've been disenfranchised their entire lives. And it's, it's such an honor and a privilege to be able to do that um, and watch these young people uh, really take into account their own um, strengths and really advocate for themselves, for their friends, uh, for the rest of the world, because they deserve all of that. They deserve to be heard and they deserve to feel valued and they deserve to be included in spaces that have excluded them for so long. Absolutely. And exclamation point. And um, so how should young people get involved? Where do you want them to go so that they can connect so that they feel valued and, and can start to share um, their voice and be heard? I think, of course, you can go ahead and visit our website, <laughs> diversifiernarrative.com. Um, but if you wanted to do something else, definitely find people that are like you, uh, even if it's very hard. I know I went to a PWI and I still do. So finding those people that are similar to you can be very difficult. Um, but having a, even if it's very small, a small support system to help you both advocate for yourself and then go ahead and further advocate uh, for systemic change is really the first way. Uh, to get started. Awesome. Banaka Nahida, I just, um, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing, um, for the change that you're making, and for joining me today to share your stories. Um, again, I think I have a million more questions that I could ask, but um, your passion, your journey is, is amazing. And I think sharing that is so um powerful. And so thank you for everything that you're doing. And again, you can learn more and take action with Diversify Our Narrative. Um, visit their website at diversifyyournarrative.com, or you can reach out um, to me at info, info at nylc.org. I'll make sure you get connected. Um, powerful, powerful organization doing amazing work. Um, I also want to mention if you're an educator, 
There are resources on the Diversify Our Narrative website. Um, NYLC also has um, handbooks on education and equity um, for high school and middle school students. So you can um, look at a service learning curriculum to take action as well. Um, so you can download, download it from our store. So check it out. Um, I also want to share that next week, we're going to be joined by students from Pennsylvania's Propel After School Action Team. So we're going to dig into the work that they're doing on with service learning and talk about lights on after school. Great show. We're going to have amazing young leaders once again. So mark your calendars for Thursday at six o'clock Eastern. Um, again, um, Banaka, Nahida, thank you so much for being here, um, for sharing your story. And I will say until next week, I hope everyone will join us as we.